Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. John Nahenny, welcome back to the Singing Teachers Talk podcast. It's so great to see you again. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Belting. Yes. How do you define it? So belting is one of those things um, that, uh, paraphrasing, there was a legal decision uh, in the U.S. many years ago, and they were talking about adult material and what qualified as, you know, adult material. And the, and the, the justice said, I know it when I see it. And belt is almost kind of one of those things, you know it when you hear it. Um, but it's basically, it is obviously an intense style of singing. It is characterized for me with uh, a longer closed phase uh, in the vocal fold. So it's a more intense sound wave. Sound waves, you know, if you're just singing in a very light voice, um, you're going to have uh, harmonics, right? So you have these multiple pitches, if you will, in the voice. And, and we hear the upper ones more as color and the lower ones as pitch. When you're singing lightly, those harmonics roll off rather quickly, whereas in a, in a belt, they're not rolling off as fast. So you're getting more upper harmonic content, which is this brightness and this bite. And then you're also, um, with that more intense sound wave, you're tuning the vocal track to also boost more of those high frequencies. So, so belt has a lot of high frequency uh, content in it. It's not a mellow, rounded, jazzy kind of sound. How many types of belts could a singer have access to? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I don't think I've been asked that before, but I I believe that there is a nice kind of mixy belt, if you will, and then it can become a more intense uh, forward belt. You You start to, what you're playing with it, the resonances in the vocal tract um, is you're, you're playing with that first resonance. And that first resonance, if it goes too low, the voice will will flip, right? And you'll get that falsetto-y sound. But if you start to, at a certain point, if you start to push it really high, it starts to go into the ha, the shout condition. And belt is is on a spectrum. And so you start getting these lighter belts, then you get a, a, a more forward, intense sounding belt um, that where that that first resonance is going higher. And then at a certain point, it goes into what I'll call a shout belt. Um, and some singers don't do it well, and it literally sounds like they're shouting and struggling. And other singers can go into that shout configuration, and um, they do it really well because when we go into that shout configuration, the nervous system will usually go, oh, we're shouting. It's a hardwired survival mechanism. So we start to lock up and we start to overpress the vocal folds. Well, these singers can override that urge and be in that very wide open, shouty sound without overpressing the vocal folds. Whitney Houston did that uh, wonderfully. And you hear great singers move in and out of it. They'll, they'll go into that shout belt. You'll usually hear that it's a straight tone. There's not vibrato. And then you'll hear them warm up the vowel and then the vibrato comes in. They're able to, they're able to adjust these resonances on the fly. So they're, they're closer to a shout. Now they come a little bit more into a slightly mixy type of belt. Um, it's wonderful to hear. Mm. Speaking of vibrato, because you've just mentioned it there, is vibrato a 
present thing in belt or is it saved for more mixed belt oh i think it's i think it's the singer's choice there's absolutely vibrato in belt depending on again the the intensity of the belt and very often that the acoustics of it when it gets into that really really wide open belt um then it will start to straight tone a great example is the song Gimme Gimme uh, Sutton Foster from um, Thoroughly Modern Millie. Yeah. And at the last note, she sings Gimme Gimme that thing called love and there's a long sustain. And she holds that love really wide open and there's no vibrato. And then when the orchestra, the orchestra is vamping under her and then it hits a formata, the held note. And right at that instant, she rounds the vowel slightly, comes a little bit more towards a mix, and her vibrato's there, mm. right on cue. Um, you'll hear Whitney Houston do it on I Have, no I Have Nothing. You know, don't make me close. That's really wide open, no vibrato. And then when she sings door, that'll come into a vibrato, if I'm remembering correctly. Now someone's going to run and listen to the song and go, no, no, the vibrato is on another note. But as I remember it, and if you listen to the song, she will straight tone. When she straight tones, listen to the vowel. And then when the vibrato comes, listen to that vowel. And you'll hear more open versus slightly more rounded versions of the vowels. Mm. So when is belting appropriate? What styles and when should we give that to the audience? Oh, I mean, I'm trying to think of songs where it's never appropriate, right? I mean, it's not really appropriate for the female singer in classical music. You're not going to do a, a Schubert song cycle with belt, yeah, but but most contemporary music, unless you're doing a really kind of chill, indie, Billie Eilish kind of style, right? But even there, an occasional just starting to lean into the voice can create contrast and emotional intensity. So I, I think where belt is inappropriate is singers will find themselves getting more into that shout belt or or pushing their voice because that's the only way the note's coming out. And that's not really their intention. And it's not really something that is being specified by the music or the, the lyrical content. Mm. And speaking of ages, is there an age where belting isn't appropriate? Again, I think we get back into the kind of belt and how intense it is. Obviously, when you have young singers and the voice is still developing, if they're being pushed into that shout belt and they're starting to, to stress the voice, that can have repercussions on a on a developing voice and it, it can certainly have repercussions at, at any age but you can you can teach to belt safely i believe it at most any age i mean maybe not small small children but but certainly as as the voice is developing um 11 12 and the fact is that if a if a child starts to feel this in their voice look it's a thrilling way to sing and they they hear their heroes doing it so they're going to start doing it, mm. right? You know, there's the whole discussion like Annie. Annie's an incredibly tough role that they cast very young children in. But, you know, you can coach kids to sing Annie safely. Mm. Mm. 
I know everyone's going to be individual, but what sort of pitch ranges are we looking at when we're belting? Belt, usually, the quality that we hear as belt usually starts to show up um, as the voice goes through that the the, the transition um, or the, the mix area, that bridge, right, um, between the, the, the chest, lower register, head voice, upper register, so the you know the male voice can really start to take on more of a belty quality by e flat four um and for the female by a flat a four certainly you know the the classic female belt note is c5 mm. you know so by the time you're at that b flat four um into that c5 it's definitely belty once the female voice starts getting up to that E flat five, you can keep a more intense, twangy, heady sound that can sound like a, you know, that can really have a belty quality, but it's not going to be that idea of, you know, that, that chest head mix, because that will likely be too heavy. Mm. What are we going to need in place before we start training belt? Yeah, vocal balance, essentially. So you want the singer to be able to access their chest voice or lower register. Um, you want them to be able to access their their upper register, their head voice. And for the female singer, it's going to be a, a slightly different kind of head voice than in classical singing, right? It's going to be a, a little bit closer to how a male tenor would approach that. And then you, you want to make sure that those transitions are working well so that they're not trying to pull that that lower register up into that bridge area and uh, up towards the head voice so once the voice is able is is functioning and you're getting that balance then they can start to just feel about okay i can i can press into this or get a little more resistance at the vocal fold i can get a little more vocal fold contact right that feeling of increasing that that closed phase that mm, mm, sitting down into it and then beginning to, to open up that vowel. What's tricky in the beginning is the body, when we're first learning to sing, will naturally just blow that vowel wide open because we're trying to pull the lower register too high. And so singers find initially, wow, if I narrow this vowel, I can start to get through that transition, access my upper register. But as they belt, the vowel has to start opening back up again. Mm. But it opens up in a different way. It, it, we're not, we're not pu pushing the throat to raise that first resonance. That first resonance becomes more stabilized, and then we can really tune that, that second resonance to, to bring out those higher frequencies. And the first resonance can rise, right? And the larynx can come up, but it's within the singer's control. Mm -hmm. Before we go into a kind of a deep dive into the different landmarks on, on belting, in your opinion, can anyone belt? Um, my first answer is yes. Unless, unless there is some physical or neurological issues with the voice. Yeah, absolutely. Now, having said that, there are voices where the belt is going to be a little more intense. Some voices are kind of made to belt more so than others. But yeah, everybody has the ability to develop their version of, of belt. Mm. Understandably, singing isn't a linear process. We're going to have lots of things impacting from different directions. So things are going to kind of interlink here, but I'd love to kind of take a walk through the different landmarks. So the power source, the vibratory landmark, the articulation, and also those all important acoustics. So first of all, 
all things considered, what is going to be happening with the air or within the breath mechanism when we're belting well? Yes. Yeah, so you're going to have this um, phonation threshold pressure that that and, and you can even feel it with your lips. If you're if your lips are really loose, doesn't take much to get them going. That wasn't very good. But but if I try and buzz a higher note, I have to press the lips together a little harder and then and then I subsequently have to press more air to get them to vibrate or phonate so that 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 phonation uh, pressure level is going to go up as the pitch goes up and the intensity of the belt goes up. So you're going to have to flow a little more air and and you're also going to be resisting that air a little bit more. And then there's that fine balance of when does that become, you know, overpressed phonation and, and you're working too hard. But you also talk about with the the acoustics, getting that vowel dialed in, that's going to go a long way to helping the others because we know it's not linear, right? It's not A to B to C. It's A to B to C to B to C to A to, right? It's this mm. whole circular. So when we get the vowel dialed in, we have this wonderful thing that happens in that it starts to not only shoot energy out towards the listener, but the energy also reflects back down to the vocal folds. So as the next sound wave goes to come up, you've got this opposing energy coming back down. So the sound wave is momentarily blocked from rushing through the vocal tract. So what it does is that energy now has to go somewhere. So it starts to push laterally and starts to move the vocal folds further apart. So that when the sound wave does finally go through, it's built this elastic energy and the vocal folds will close very quickly. They're going to align better and it's very much like like pushing a child at the right point on a swing. You're getting the maximum amount of energy with the minimum amount of effort. So it, they they all work together in a good belt. A good belt is is not only going to be fun, but it's it's going to feel relatively easy. Mm. Speaking of feeling in the body, are we going to feel a response anywhere, like the tummy? or the neck, or do we want to feel anything in the throat or should we be leaving that completely alone? No, you're going to feel, you're, you're going to feel the energy and you're going to feel, I, I tell people, you know, people say, I want to sing without tension. And I say, well, that's called silence. Mm. <laughs> so there's, there is good tension and you're going to feel this, this, this press from the tummy and this, this, this good support. Right. Mm. And then in the throat, you're going to have these these necessary narrowings and tensions within the throat. And um, again, we were before we came on the podcast discussing Carrie Obert's work, and I'm a I'm a big fan of Carrie's. And you know, she's done over twenty thousand endoscopies and and looked at this vocal tract narrowing. And it happens even in female classical singers. We we need to get these these good narrowings in the throat. So there's, you know, the, the, the throat is energized. The tongue is energized. We, we can feel, um, uh, you know, the, the twang, but also this feeling of, of expansion uh, within the throat so that we're not getting real closed and smashing the vocal folds together. So there's, there's all these great opposing energies going on, uh, but, but they all kind of combine to create this whole experience of wow this is this is kind of easy it's like i've turned on an engine and it's happening itself and i am the conduit of this energy mm. what would be your thought on anchoring 
Sure. Yeah. So so anything that 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 gets you feeling like you're like you're solid, like you're you're grounded, any you know, throw your arms up, make a face, like like get actively involved in this. And as as Carrie told me, you can feel tension anywhere but the vocal cords. Mm. You know? So it's it's yeah, experiment. Get the whole body involved. The more we we look at what's going on. I mean, um, Jeremy Ryan Mossman recently turned me on to fascia, which is just absolutely fascinating. And that the, the whole body is just covered in this netting that's interweaved through all of our muscles and, and you know, full of nerve endings. And, and it, it's not just, our muscles aren't isolated from each other. The whole body is involved. Mm. At the 2021 VIP virtual conference, you gave a really great webinar on teaching high belt. And in that you mentioned MFDR, which is maximum flow declination rate. So what does that mean? And how is this applied to belting? Yeah, so it's essentially it's the fancy term for when we when we're getting that feedback of energy and the next the next burst of energy is coming up, that the vocal folds are, are pushed apart. And so when they close very very quickly it is the maximum declination or of the flow that the flow stops very very quickly of air the rate is 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 maximum and there's something about that closing very quickly that gives this nice kick in the cycle and it's that it's part of that feeling that singers get when they when they dial the voice in and suddenly the note becomes really easy and you're feeling the energy feedback and you can actually relax your vocal folds in a sense because things, the acoustics are helping the folds do the job of, of resistance. And you're getting more of that vocal fold contact because they're coming together so quickly and they're squaring up very nicely rather than trying to use muscle to mm. make that happen. Mm. And what would be a physical or audible sign of there being too much press or too much valving out of the air in a belt? Yeah, you'll, you will you'll feel it um and you'll start to hear you know you'll just start to hear that that pressed quality so that that idea of you of flow phonation right where you've got this very wonderfully balanced system of air coming to the vocal folds and then the vocal folds resisting mm. and if there's not enough resistance we start to get airy and if there's too much we start to hear the press and then mm, i i tell students go ahead and sigh for me hmm there's not enough resistance now you're lifting something heavy hmm there's too much now you're eating your favorite food hmm there we go now we're starting to feel this this nice resistance and and so then they can begin to increase ah, ah, ah the intensity of that but not cross over into ah, the mm. press mm. and the thyroid muscle is is going to be quite active in belting what role does the ct muscle the cricothyroid muscle have yeah so we still we we need the folds to stretch and thin for pitch and it's it's so because we always have this this balance of of ct and ta and when you're first learning to do this you've you've, the the ta tends to be the bully and and is usually stronger and we're we're more accustomed to working it and so that has to give up a little bit. And so you're going to sing a little lighter and sing a little lighter. And then we can start to, hmm, hmm, hey, 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 hey. Then then the TA can start to 
come in a little bit more. And so what you're going to, uh, to me, the feeling is, is one that I call press. And, and I'll have people just, mmm, really feel that. And I'll say, feel, feel what this is like. Mmm, you're above this pressing down as opposed to huh, pressing up. Mmm, hey, hey, you know, and they can, okay, all right, there it's coming. And so they can, they begin to, they can employ a little bit more of that TA without it jamming up on them. Mm, mm. What position does the larynx need to be in to belt? And when is that position going to need to be recruited? Yeah. So there's not really one answer for that, right? It's it that what you want, because people will ask me, you know, should I have a high larynx, a low larynx? And, and the answer is, you want a tuned larynx. Mm. So you want the larynx adjusted to the note, the vowel, the intensity, and, and the color uh, that you're looking for. So the, the larynx is, is part of this adjusting of that first resonance. Mm. And essentially, if the first resonance, again, if the first resonance goes all the way down to the, the first harmonic, or if it gets too low in its relationship to the sound wave or goes lower, you will get more of that as it goes higher, you'll, get, you'll move more towards the shout. Well, within there, you've got a whole range of, of choices. And so I wouldn't get stuck in the very beginning. Sure, you can work on just keeping your larynx down. But at a certain point, I wouldn't get too stuck on laryngeal height. Mm. I, I don't know if that's that's always your best marker because mm. you can belt with a slightly lower larynx and it's going to be a darker kind of trumpet, more of a like a trumpet kind of sound, or you can belt with a higher larynx and that's going to be brighter and more piercing. Mm. But but they're they're both within that that wider. I view belt as a as kind of a wider umbrella. Mm. Mm. So what role do the articulators play then? How are we going to be moving the tongue? And what does the jaw impact? Sure. So the larynx and uh, the the lips, they have the most direct influence on that, that first resonance. And that first resonance is the one that tends to give us the most problems. When we're caught in that, that little wheel of, I'm flipping, I'm yelling, I'm flipping, I'm yelling. We want to get control of that first resonance. That's why in the beginning... A lower larynx with rounded lips are best able to help people start to find their mix in that transition. But it's not a belt configuration. As you begin to belt, you're going to you're going to drop the jaw, and you're also going to allow the the mouth to open a little more. And and even the, the depending on the note and what you're going for, you know the corners of the mouth can can come back a little bit. And what you're doing when you do that is you're actually shortening the length of the vocal track. You know, it's funny because we think that, the, you know, I, I want to make my, my mouth smaller that we round the lips. But actually, when you pull those lips back and drop the jaw, the cavity, the acoustic cavity of the mouth or, and the length of that vocal track starts to reduce. Mm. You know, we're getting, I mean, it starts to get a bit in the weeds here. We're, we're, we're making a bigger space for for the resonance right at the lips which is going to uh, raise its value but we're also we're shortening the vocal tract so you can and the larynx as you go higher can come up a little bit but back to the larynx thing when you see someone who's really struggling and they're yelling their larynx is high so and we know that we can get some relief if we lower the larynx 
Therefore, we've decided that high larynx is bad. That's not necessarily the truth. It is, it is why is the larynx higher? That, mm. That's the question. And then the tongue, the tongue can have a, a more direct effect on this second resonance. And that second resonance is able to tune into like higher frequencies. And, and um, so getting the tongue, I'll often tell people, you know, it's almost like a crouching cat that ah, ah, uh, in a belt. And then also allowing, allowing uh, narrowings in the vocal tract that can, that can happen. The, the sides of the vocal tract can begin to narrow. And also the, the base of the tongue can begin to press back and help uh, narrow the upper pharynx, which is essential for belt. And people will identify that as, as twang, mm. you know, and it's any it kind of an, it's extreme. And then you can have different degrees of twang. Mm. You know, belt, belt has a lot of colors. These narrowings that, that, that we kind of associate with twang, another term, you know, exactly what does it mean? But you are going to narrow in the vocal in this upper throat. That That's going to be necessary or unless you want to just kind of have this lesser, you know, duller sound, which can artistically be appropriate at times. But for belt, it's going to start to happen. And then twang becomes, I think when we really mentally think of twang and deliberate, then we start bringing in almost touching on the cartoonish element of it. Mm -hmm. And then then it's just how much of that do we want? So I think it's a combination of it's going to start to happen naturally. And then you can begin to deliberately employ more of it depending on the intensity and color and what you want with your belt. Mm. Speaking more on the all-important acoustics, you you chatted in your webinar about under vowels and over vowels, and I know that Ken Bozeman also talks about those those ideas. What's the under vowel and over vowel going to do in terms of the formant harmonic relationship? Yeah, so I I use this concept, and um, this is this is my understanding of it. So you can you can have Ken on, and he may say, "Well, John didn't get this exactly right." But for me, these concepts I think are a wonderful shortcut to all of these acoustics and and this the possibility of all this overthinking. Because I'm sure if somebody's made it this far in this podcast, is going, "Oh my gosh, how am I supposed to sing with everything this guy's talking about?" is think of the underval, which is a little more associated with the throat, right? Just take a deep breath and say, uh. And then over that, right, while holding your uh in the mouth, put a little more ah. That configuration, ah over uh, is the is the equation that equals basic belt configuration. So that the so that the uh is helping stabilize that first resonance so it doesn't start to try and jump too high and cause us to over squeeze. And then the ah helps tune in the second resonance into the, the higher harmonics. So the undervowel is, is, and I know that, that it's more the ooh, ooh to oh, but I just think uh, and then ah on top of it. So if it's uh, ah, E, uh, ah, oh, right? Whatever vowel I need, uh, ah, eh. I start with uh and ah, and then I just move enough to get the vowel perception I need. Because that's the other thing with belt. It, you're not, especially as you go higher, you're not going to have access to the full range of vowel sounds that we will use in speech. You're, you're going to be essentially kind of in this uh, ah condition, and then you're going to nudge just enough energy into the vowel vowel perception that you need without falling out of that that basic configuration because 
you know, if you try and sing a pure ooh, you know, if I, if I say the word two and then I try and belt that, I can't belt that ooh. It's, there's not enough high harmonic energy mm. and, and the resonances of my vocal tract are too low in order to belt. So it's got to be ah, uh, ah, uh, ooh. Uh. Yeah. So, and that, how will that sound to the audience? Will we just tell that it's an ooh, but it will just be sung like an ah? Yeah. So, so all a vowel is, is vowel is perception. Mm -hmm. So vowels are actually pitch and within it's, it's much like light, right? And uh, the, the, the slower waves we see as red. And then as they go a little faster, it starts to become orange and, and yellow. And then we move up to where the highest rays that we see the faster vibrations of violet. Mm -hmm. And so the the slower moving uh, waves we perceive as ooh, and then as ooh, oh, oh, ah, 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 eh, e. E is the highest. So E is like violet, ooh is like red. All you need to do is just tip into that spectrum just enough, and the perception will be there uh, for the listener. Because if you listen really closely to somebody belting um, vowels, you can hear that they're not the same as they are in speech. I'm going to get super geeky. This has already been pretty geeky. You've done your research. I'm, I'm well impressed. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> you, have, you have done so. <laughs> if we were to whack open something like Voce Vista, and if I was to measure my resonances on an E vowel, yeah. that might come up as something like G4. It's going to peak out at G4. What am I going to do to get an air sound more belted, but without tracking resonance one with harmonic two to be let, you know, I don't want to be yelly. Right, right. So air is going to have to start to tip. We're going to have to get a little more high frequencies in it. Air is going to start to tip towards air. Eh. And you're going to, yep, you're going to, you're just going to move the tongue. Eh. And then, and then you can, you can just kind of hear. So you'll get that basic configuration of the uh, ah, eh, eh, you know? So if if I'm working my voice and I'm trying to, you know, sing, a, sing an eh, 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 it's going to be really, really hard. So first I'll just kind of play with the ha, one, 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 one. All right, now I'll put a little ah in there. Ha, one, 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 all right. Ha. You know, so it's 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 the the eh and the eh they're they're close together. And you know what's interesting is if if you go into voce vista and and you sing an ah vowel, you can actually take the filters and if you increase the energy in the e spectrum from that same recording, you'll start to hear e. Mm. And if you increase the energy in the oo spectrum, you'll start to hear oo. Mm -hmm. Even though you sing ah. Can you share with us one of your favorite belting exercises? And I'm home alone right now so i can be a willing participant if you oh want. yeah <laughs> yeah well let me ask you yeah. um is there a song that you that, that's got a little belt area that's tricky for you um i'll pick something that's kind of in my kind of zone at the moment and that's yeah. um a bit of demi lovato you don't do it for me anymore because on the top it's an uval Oh, okay. Yeah. So look, so if you were going to sing that, right? The first thing I would have you sing that on and, and do it slowly so you're not uh, caught up in the riff is I wah. Just sing wah. Wah. I won't fall for your games. 
Oh, there you go. Good. Now, I want you to think of a, uh, but put a bit of ah uh in the mouth. Won't. I won't fall for your games. How's that feel? Yeah, really nice. Yeah. You know, and look, look, if we took this up, uh, let me see, where is this? So uh, if we took it here. Oh, crumbs. Okay. Yeah. So look, so look, so what I want you to do is give it a little more ah uh, and, and do this for me with your tongue. Say ah, uh, ah. Uh. Ah. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So your tongue's kind of like a cat ready to spring. I won't. I won't fall for your games. How'd that feel? Yeah, good. Nice. You were there. I won't. Look, look. Get the tongue in it. So I want you to feel. Look, look. Take in a deep breath. Just feel the throat expand and say, won't. Won't. I won't. Oh, for your games. How's that? Yeah, riff was a shocker, but it was fine. It was fine, actually. Yeah. Yeah, but you see, as you go, as you, as you go higher, what you need to do, right? So, so we went from the C to now we're doing it on the D five, mm-hmm. which is that was that actually sounded very very good. But you noticed that you had to go a little more of the ah ah as yes. you went higher. Yeah. If you didn't, if you didn't, if you had the same configuration as the C. As you went to lean into that pitch, it would probably tighten up because you you were wouldn't be dialing in the higher frequencies and getting that the energy assist from them. Mm-hmm. What happens if that was going higher then? Not that I'm trying to get myself in trouble. Yeah. Here. <laughs> So look, now you're going to say, I wah, ah, ah. drop that jaw. Yeah. Even let the, the, let's talk it through first. Say, uh, uh, ah, ah, won't, won't, I won't fall for your games. Yeah. Now look, let's change the words and say, and you, and look, it's going to be this, uh, ah, uh, yo. Okay. See, just sing, and you. And you. Yeah. Okay. Feel? And you. Yeah, you can now give a fraction more ooh with the lips, just a tiny bit. And you. How's that? Yeah, it feels the same as the ah. Yeah. I feel like, is there anything that's covering the vowel? Have I covered it? Is there a turning of the vowel? Or, or, and what does that mean? So, so yeah, the... That's such a funny term, isn't it? Yeah, but the covering is it it maybe the vowel's a little more rounded, right? You can um sometimes even just putting in a little more of a, a different quality. You know, some people will put in a a, a sob, which is gonna drop the larynx a little bit and it's going to dampen some of those those higher frequencies. But look, if you feel that that lost a little intensity, mm. just sing for me. I want you to sing, I won't and yo. I won't and yo. How's that? Yeah, I felt like I was yeah. trying to implement that up, uh, downward. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, and you can feel, ah. look, if you if you place your finger, you know, a couple inches below your belly button and just give me, you'll feel that muscle kick out, right? Yeah. yeah. So that feeling of, you know, you breathe in, the belly expands and just that feeling of, say for me, ha, ha, push from that muscle. Ha, ha. There you go. Won't. I won't. Yeah. And you. And you. How's that? 
Yeah, it feels really comfortable. And those are E flats. So basically, we've we've got to get this this intensity, right? So I think of undervelt. I think ah uh, in the throat, ah uh, in the mouth. And then what do I need to do to bring in the perception of the vowel? Yeah. So you you did for the ooh, it was the slight rounding of the little bit, yeah. And if it was and if the and if you had to sing and me, right? It's gotta be ah, ah, eh. You can't sing me. That's why yodelers say yodelay e. Yodelay e because e's want to flip. So naughty composers like to write e's in. Well, yeah, because we're we're always singing about me, 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 right? Yeah. What would you like to bust about belting in terms of myths? I don't know if there's a myth I want to bust. I don't know. I, th I think as I've gotten older, I'm not as secure in my my people are wrong about this or people are wrong about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I I think it may be just for me, just my definition. Uh, I view belts as a wider spectrum not not a single thing and of course everything's on a continuum right but but you have you have a mix then you have a stronger mix and then okay now this is starting to have a belty quality and all the way to just straight out the mouth shouty roared you know somebody singing right on the edge of the cliff but i think there's you know there's a lot of different colors and intensities and um, and I think everybody can belt. Belt is just at a certain point in your voice, you can feel it where you're like, okay, I've gone from a jog and now I'm running and now, and now I'm running and now I'm sprinting. And mm -hmm. my sprint is not going to be as fast as, as a professional athletes, but it's still my sprint. I can feel where I've moved from running to sprinting. Mm -hmm. And so belt is just in, in that continuum of your voice. Um, and maybe don't don't worry about putting labels on something like "ooh, that wasn't belt." Yeah, right. It doesn't doesn't have to have a label. Look, did that note fit the the the, the purposes of that song? I love that. And if there was a resource, a bit of science, where would you point us in the direction of to keep learning about this topic? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not necessarily uh, written for belters. I I do love uh, Ken Bozeman's books on acoustics. Um, I think if people are of interest, they can start to look into things like perturbation theory, even though it's all of this stuff is incredibly confusing at first, mm. you know, and then I'll be I'll be thinking like, okay, I've got this figured out now I'll, I'll get on Facebook, which I try not to do too often. And then Chris Johnson, who, who I love, will casually be talking about some concept. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> so it's like now that just opened up a whole other can of worms so it's it can be intimidating i don't want people to to be intimidated with this stuff you know it it really is it's just getting it in your body right yeah so i i think if you just understand that most of your problems are going to be associated with your throat and because your throat is is where we instinctively try and push up that that first lower resonance and when we push that up, that is how we yell, mm. right? That is that is a survival mechanism. We all know how to do it. So the body goes to what it knows. And so you've, you've got to break that first, break that connection. And then it's, okay, I've got the, I've got the, uh, I can start to bring in the, ah. Uh. And as you play with it, what'll happen at first as you begin to lean in is the body will go, oh, we're shouting again. And it's going to jump to the shout. That's why you may have to 
work a lower larynx, work more closed vowels, you, you know, have some patience with it. You know, a good teacher can really, really help. Um, that's, you know, people will talk about uh, great singers. I, I get this sometimes on YouTube where if I react to a singer and I'm explaining what they do and people will just say, well, that's a load of nonsense. They, they're just a natural singer. And it's like, okay, but they're not. Yes, they may have had more um, of a natural inclination to do things correctly, but they had to work these things out. They have to work their own voice. And you can do that yourself. Some of us will be more successful than others, but a teacher, the right teacher will just, rather than you trying to open 20 doors, will just go, uh, the bathroom's that one. Mm. So the, it's, the teacher can just show you where it is that you want to go. Mm. And we've covered loads in this episode. It's been really great. Um, if you had one thing that you would advise somebody teaching belt or trying to access their belt to do, what would it be as your roundup? Don't be afraid of it, you know? And as teachers, it's it's fun. Um, what I would suggest is do these do these tunings like like we did uh, just a few minutes ago with your voice. Work those in your speaking voice first and experiment there. And then when you go up, go ahead and give it a try. And if it's if you feel it's too much tension, that's okay. Maybe try it once or twice. You know, don't keep hammering at it, but work it lower. Um, I think the that area of the upper chest just getting into to your bridge area. So for men, right around uh, B flat three, middle C, D, uh, I think are, are great areas to start feeling this. For the for the female voice, you can really start feeling this on on the F F sharp G four. In mm-hmm. right, so you're starting to feel. Oh, I'm starting to really feel that kind of mix, but you're not really in that bridge bridge yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, can be a good area. Mm-hmm. Was that one thing? I don't think so. That's fine. I think so I wanted. We'll take them all. We'll take them all. <laughs> John Henny, it's so lovely and always a pleasure. Where can people find out more about you and obviously listen to your podcast? Uh, you can go to johnhenny.com and my podcast is The Intelligent Vocalist. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Looking to expand your vocal knowledge and add to your teacher toolbox? Then you're in the right place. Basta here to guide you with our membership, a growing virtual library packed with educational videos spanning a whole host of voice teacher topics. It's just £1 for the first two weeks and £6 each month after that. Now that's what I call a bargain. To join, just head to our website, www.basttraining.com.